Hey folks, welcome to Bad GM's Campaign Build Along. I'm the Bad GM, Wayne Davis. And as you know by now, this is the show where we build an entire campaign for you from scratch. We've spent the previous 55 episodes of this show, well, 54 out of the past 55 episodes, since last week was a megasode, building a Fallout game. And if you still don't have your Fallout game book, drop by your local game shop or bookstore. Or if those aren't options, you can get them from the Modiphius Entertainment website. That's M-O-D-I-P-H-I-U-S dot net. And I do get the question from time to time, what do you mean by if those aren't options? Well, I know we've got some listeners who live in places where access to a game shop or a bookstore is pretty limited or it takes a pretty long drive to get to. So getting to one isn't something that they can just run out and do on a whim. That's why I make sure the website option is out there, since I'm going to bet even money those folks have, at the very least, the internet, since, of course, they're listening to this podcast. I mean, I might be a bad GM, but I'd like to think I'm smarter than the average bear. And if you don't get that reference, use that internet you've got to look it up. Now, we've got some business to handle before we get into this week's build, so let's take care of that before we move on. First off, I wanted to thank everybody who commented on last week's Megasode. I do realize it was a long show, but I got a lot of comments from folks who noted that it helped them get through the last-minute gift wrapping or any of the other things they needed to do for their holiday gatherings. And when you combined that with the role-playing history Megasode, that provided almost three hours of programming to keep people busy. And while the Megasode is something I might do again in the future for role-playing history, I don't see us doing it again for this show, and that's basically due to the format and idea of what the build-along is all about. But again, thank you for all the kind words. Next up is something that occurred to me after we got the episode up two weeks ago, and that's the thought of members of the Brotherhood of Steel even considering the concept of allowing synths to live. If you'll remember, and if you don't, it'll come up in a bit when we do the recap of that episode, there was a potential option for the group to initiate an outcome where the synths had their programming wiped and allowed for them to basically fade into the background, taking them out of combat and allowing them to emerge somewhere down the line as productive members of society. Now, I got more than a few notes over the past couple of weeks from listeners who pointed out that there's absolutely no chance that members of the Brotherhood would allow something like that to happen. However, I would counter that there is one chance, and here's why. The only way this particular option could be on the table is if Jessica Denman was still alive and if the group had been able to get through to her in the first place. So in that case, they'd proven themselves to be willing to work with her to a point, and they'd probably be willing to take certain steps to continue to be able to work with her to see what she'd be able to give them especially since she was already offering to give them Paladin Zane. I mean, if she was willing to give them Zane, then what else might she be willing to give them or what else would she have to give them? Now, obviously, if they didn't have any sort of relationship with Denman or if she was already dead, then that option wasn't available. So, of course, the synths were self-destructed and none of this would have been an issue. Just so we're clear. And I'm sure I've missed something else, but I'm also sure you'll let me know via email and or DM, and I'll cover some more of those as we move along through the rest of the season. But I think it's time to get into the build, so let's get the recap from the build from two weeks ago covered so that we can build some new stuff. 
When last we built, the group was deciding whether or not to activate the self-destruct program for the synths they discovered in the bunker for Garson Tactical. For the most part, there was really only one option, but there was a question as to whether to activate it immediately or to contact the Pacificus and make Elder Sandvar aware. As I mentioned a moment ago, if Jessica Denman was alive and if they'd been able to work with her previously, there was another option, and if they took advantage of it, there was the potential for another outcome. With Garson Tactical now officially off the board, Elder Sandvar had gotten word about the potential location of Paladin Zane and her crew. She tasked the group with teaming up with Paladin Cook on the ground near Diamond Pass, and she informed them that Cook's got more info for them when they would meet with her. Cook's info was that Victor had contacted her with more intel, though she was aware that Zane was supposedly operating out of the old Keel Auditorium, which shouldn't be possible considering it was virtually destroyed during all the bombing during the war. Victor did request they stop in to see him at the Symphony Hall to get the information, but of course the group decided to check out the auditorium on the way by, and they noted that Victor had Mr. Gutsies keeping an eye on the place. On the Opera House side, the group also noted that there were Protectrons where there were once super mutants, so it was obvious there had been a change in ownership, though who was owning it at this point just wasn't clear. On their way to the Symphony Hall, they noticed the Fox Theater was being rebuilt, and once they got inside the Symphony Hall to speak with Victor, they found out he's the one doing the rebuilding. He told them he's moving his business there. He reported that the Brotherhood of Steel, Zane's group, has taken over the Opera House, and he does have people on the inside that have reported to him that Zane and her three cohorts have gone in, but they haven't come out, and since all four had been seen going in wearing their power armor, they would have had to gone back out through the front door. We ended the build with Victor telling the group he now sees them as equal partners, and he was encouraging them to see this mission they're on to its conclusion. So we're going to pick up the build at that point. Now, the group's got some game planning to do here, especially since they've got some options. And before we get too far into the options, we should note that Mackenzie Cook was not part of the meeting with Victor, mostly because she felt like the group should meet with him by themselves, and that's because she felt that it was their deal. And we can safely assume that because it has been their deal for pretty much the entirety of the campaign to this point. Of course, if you've been using somebody other than Victor, you know the drill. So let's take some time here and work on our options. Option number one is a full frontal assault. Now the reality is that there are some groups out there that will probably want this option. I would be doing everything I could to talk your group out of this, and I do it for one simple reason. Victor's got people inside that are working for him, and they'll get caught in the crossfire and they'll die. No question. There's another obvious reason, and that's the fact that this is going to be a serious combat slog. I'm talking about a multiple session, most likely, resource draining, possibly party member killing combat slog. Now, I'll build it out in a special episode just in case somebody decides they want to use it, but I'm not going to take up time in the regular rotation for this because I don't see it being the most logical choice for a group to use, especially at this point in the season. It's also not the choice I would see my group making, though since they've already taken Zane out of the picture, this isn't something they need to do anyway. And for the record, that special build has already been written up. It'll hit the podcast feed at noon central time today. Option number two is the application of high explosives. Now, this does have the advantage of eliminating the entire structure rather quickly and with a minimum of damage to the group. 
However, it still has the downside of killing everybody in Victor's employ, unless they can figure out a way to get them out without alerting the Brotherhood of Steel to their plans. Now, if the group can figure out a way to do that, that seems logical to you, you could allow for an intelligence plus luck roll or a charisma plus speech with a difficulty five either way to allow them to charm their way in and get word of the individuals involved. Of course, that would require them to meet with Victor and find out who those people are first. And since he's got a few who are deep in the organization, it's going to be really hard to get to them. So this option might not be the most ideal to go with. But if your group insists on going with it, let it be. And between you and me, it's probably not going to accomplish what they think it will anyway, other than to eliminate personnel other than the four they really want and then waste some explosives. So while they'll think they've done something and move on to the next target, they're going to have a surprise waiting for them later on. Option three is the most logical choice for them to go with and therefore is the choice we are going to build out. If you'll think back to the show from two weeks ago, we noted reports from multiple people about individuals that had been seen coming into and out of the rubble of the auditorium. That means there must be a way to get in and get out of there. So if the group wants to get to Zane and her team without being obvious about it, that would be the best way to do it. Now, there's a very obvious downside to this, and that's the fact that they'll have to leave their power armor behind to do it, and they're obviously not going to just leave it sitting around. So... They're going to need to radio into the Pacificus, and either they can do it or Cook can do it. She's going to go with the group anyway, so it doesn't matter who handles it. The request is going to be very specific. The Vertibird is to return to Diamond Pass to pick up everybody's power armor and deliver a full set of heavy combat armor for each member of the team. Cook has a request of her own, and it's for a plasma gun. Stats for that are on page 101. Stats for the various pieces of heavy combat armor are on page 131. This is where we need to take a moment for the group to adjust their stats from the power armor to the combat armor, so make sure you do that. This is also the point where you should clear out the action points, so the group total resets to zero and yours goes back to one for each member of the group. This would also be the last chance to make sure the group's good on ammo since they are making a request for a delivery. We're not going to take up build time going through the delivery. I mean, that's fairly self-explanatory. What I do want to take a moment to detail is what's going on above Diamond Pass with the battle between the Pacificus and the Pugnus. Things seem to be going to the advantage of the Pacificus as her vertebrates are landing good shots on the Pugnus, while that vessel's vertebrates can't seem to get close enough to the Pacificus to get decent shots in. However, something odd seems to be happening. A number of vertebrates seem to have broken off from attacking the Pacificus and are instead moving away in formation towards the north. As the group gears up and prepares to head back towards the keel, they can see that particular group swoop down towards the dome in a kamikaze formation, hitting full throttle as they dive towards it. The explosion upon impact shakes the ground for miles and numerous buildings for blocks around are either damaged or destroyed from the shockwaves. It appears that the crew of the Pugnus has decided that if they cannot win the fight, they're going to take out as many citizens as possible. Another pair of vertebrates break off from the Pugnus and head towards the Symphony Hall, and Cook radios the Pacificus as the group makes their way to the keel. Sanvar responds to the message, and the group can hear the vertebrates trying to chase them down, though the group needs to focus on their mission, since at this point they need to take out Zane if any of this is to matter. For the record, the Pacificus vertebrates will succeed, and we'll discuss what got destroyed momentarily. When the group gets to the pile of rubble that was once the most famous sports and concert venue in the Midwest, they find themselves with a quandary. 
Where have people been coming in and out of? Fortunately for them, Victor's Mr. Gutsies are still on watch, and one of them calls out to the group. When they approach, the Gutsy gives them a location on the western side of the pile. He cannot be more precise than that, but notes that the person he saw came from a low spot on the pile. So the group has a bit of searching to do. We could make the group roll to see what they find, but instead of doing that, when they go to start looking, the answer will come to them. Because after a few moments of looking, someone starts crawling out from the rubble. It's obvious they weren't expecting anyone to be looking for them because they're looking down at the ground. By the time they realize anyone's there, it's far too late for them to start pulling weapons. Now, the group's got plenty of time to pull weapons, and they'll probably wait for the person to get all the way out before they say anything. So, let's lay this out. And as has been my usual for quite some time, I'm not going to do the full conversation on this because there's not really a need to do so. What I will say is that this person's obviously not a high-ranking officer or official. Based on the uniform, they're fairly low-ranking and probably someone whose task is to run messages from this base to somewhere else. They're also probably someone who doesn't have much combat experience, if any, and based on the wet spot that starts to appear on the front of their uniform pants, they're pretty darn scared at seeing a bunch of armored people with weapons pulled on them. They will talk, and they won't have to be prompted to do so. The crawl space they came from goes back about 30 feet, then slopes down far enough that you can stand up. From there, it goes down another 100 feet to a metal door that opens up into the command center. The door requires a command key to open, and they do have the key, which they'll give to the group. They'll confirm that at present, Zane and her three compatriots are in there, along with two other high-ranking members of the Brotherhood. They were coordinating the ground forces until the synth fighters self-destructed, but are now diverting vertebrates to take out as many key points around the city as possible before the Pacificus can take out the Pugnus. They also report that Zane ordered all non-essential personnel out of the bunker because she has something big planned, but they're not sure what she means by that. That's all they know, and they ask if they can go once they hand over the key. Whether the group lets the individual go or not is up to them. Cook votes to tie them up and have the gutsies hold them for a pickup, but we'll go with the will of the group. Once the decision's made, the group can make their way in. As promised, the group shortly finds themselves standing in front of a metal door with a keyhole that requires the key they just obtained. They can hear a faint voice from inside the room calling out, Setting, pattern, omega, delta, zeta, four, six, three, one, alpha, seven block range, detonation in four minutes, mark. The voice isn't one the group recognizes, so it's probably one of the other officers. Zane's voice is heard next. We get Diamond Pass, the Fox Theater, that blowhard victor. Even in defeat, we win. So, the group's got four minutes to stop all of this. Now, we need to pause for a minute to work all this out. Your reaction might be to start a timer for four minutes and crank things up. That would be a mistake because things won't work exactly like that. But, of course, you know that by now. Combat rounds are about six seconds long, so the number of rounds taken up by combat will chew up some of those four minutes. But let's get in the door and figure out how much time we take up first. It's going to take about 20 seconds or so to get the key in the lock, get the door open, and get inside. Obviously, Zane and her team weren't expecting anyone to come inside, so the group's got the drop on them. If they decide to say anything, they're going to chew up some additional time. Plus, they lose the advantage they're going to have concerning combat, so I'm pretty sure they're not going to want to do that. As a refresher, Zane uses the Brotherhood of Steel Paladin stats, which are on pages 383 and 384. 
Remember, she doesn't have her power armor, so make sure you take that into account. She's got two knights with her. Those stats are on page 383. She also has a scribe with her. Those stats are on pages 384 and 385. We'll make the two officers in the room scribes as well. Use those same stats. Since we're giving the group the advantage here, I'd give them one free round of combat. Then the second round, you go with initiative. That means we've got one six-second round down before we get another six-second round taken care of. And to put it into perspective, 10 rounds of combat would equal a minute. So unless this combat really slogs, the group should have at least two minutes to get to a terminal and stop the countdown, theoretically. That being said, we do have an opportunity to toss a wrench into the works. If at any point somebody comes up with a complication but no hit, they hit the console. We'll give it 15 health points, so it at least has a fighting chance. Once it gets to zero, they won't be able to stop the countdown. But losing points is going to make it harder. So the combat's over and the group needs to shut the countdown off. That means it's time for the intelligence plus science check. The difficulty of the check depends on how much damage the console took. No damage makes the difficulty a 2. 1 to 5 points is 3. 6 to 10 is a 4. 11 to 14 is a 5. Also, the damage taken adds to the time. No damage is about 30 seconds. 1 to 5 is a minute, then a minute 30, then 2 minutes. So watch the time and add the tension. Of course, they're going to succeed. They're also probably going to want to figure out where these explosives or missiles or nukes or whatever they are are so they can't be used again, since if they could be controlled by computer from here, what's to keep them from being controlled from the pugness, right? First things first, Cook radios the Pacificist to bring Elder Sanvar up to speed on the mission, and she orders ground troops to the Opera House to secure it for the Brotherhood. She also authorizes Cook and the group to do whatever it takes to backtrack through the system and locate the explosives and take care of them. Again, whatever it takes. Since the group's already got a console to work from, they can try to hack it and find out. They've already been in it to shut things down, so lower the difficulty number down by one from whatever it was before. Success provides them with three options. Operation Endgame, Addendum, and Locked. Let's do these in order. Operation Endgame reads, In case of a potential, yet unlikely, defeat at the hands of an opposing force, dozens of nuclear devices have been buried under strategic locations in the downtown area. They have been linked together and the program can be personalized to a single user. However, the user must be based on the ground and must be located within the blast range. Therefore, this will be a suicide mission. Addendum reads, since the previous entry, four of the devices have been removed due to the owners of the facilities in question allying themselves with our cause. Should those alliances change in the future, we will need to alter our plans for dealing with them. Locked will require another hack. This is a five difficulty regardless. Once they hack in, they find that it was placed here about three days ago. It reads, If you have managed to hack into my file, then you deserve to know this. Your endgame is a lie. I found out about your little plan six weeks ago and removed the nuclear materials and explosives from the devices. I would like to thank you for the immense amount of profit your organization has given me, and while I would like to say that I owe you one, the truth is that I do not owe you anything. Without any respect whatsoever, Victor. Postscript. If this is one of my friends reading this and wondering if this is legitimate, ask yourself this. Why am I choosing to remodel the Fox Theater? So it would appear that there aren't any explosives, and it would also appear that Victor has some explaining to do, or 
At least there's a bit of an explanation as to where he got all the caps he's using to remodel the fox. Cook's got a grin on her face when they figure it all out, and she finds the door that lets him out of the bunker and back out through the main entrance of the opera house. By this point, her Brotherhood team has moved in, and they've taken prisoners and secured the facility. They inform her that Elder Sanvar would like to see both her and the group in person, as there are a few more things that have come up that need to be taken care of, but they need to be taken care of in person. And even though we're coming in a bit short again, I think we'll bring the build to a close. Oh, but first, what got destroyed in that vertebrate attack earlier? The chase team managed to drop that other team over the wreckage of St. Louis University. And you can tell because you can still see the smoke and the flames as they're coming out of the keel. So that handles that. Next week, we get the group another mission and we get one step closer to the end. Also, as I promised, the Frontal Assault episode will be up at noon central time today. So you'll be able to check that out in the regular podcast feed at noon central time today. In the meantime, check out Role Playing History. This week, we close out 2023 with a year-end news review. Role Playing History is available wherever you get your podcasts or on our website, badgeeandproductions.net. All Fallout role-playing game materials referenced on this show are the trademarked and copyrighted properties of Modifius Entertainment through their license with Bethesda Games and are utilized on this show for entertainment purposes only. To check out all the products produced by Modifius, check out your local game shop or their website, modiphius.net. The music we use for this show comes from pixabay.com. Check them out for all your license-free, royalty-free music needs. Bad GM's Campaign Build Along is a production of Bad GM Productions. We've come a long way this year and have a presence all over social media. So check out the info box for this show or the website to see where you can follow us. Next week, we pick up another mission for our group and get one step closer to the end of the campaign, so you're not going to want to miss it. That's next week, though. Until then, I'm the bad GM, Wayne Davis, and I'll see you at the game table.